Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. More time to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. We're talking about how to really know God. And it says, thus says the Lord, reading out of the New King James Version, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, and let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that he understands and knows me. What is he saying? He's saying, if you're wise... Don't make that the deal about your life. Hey, man, look at what I know. If you're mighty, that's not the thing we should rejoice in. If we're rich, that's, that's great and everything, but that's not the thing we should rejoice in. But it says here, but let him who glories, glory in this that he understands and knows me. And even if that's not you this morning and you say, gosh, I wish that were me, that's just not me. It's not really what I'm going for. It's not really my aim. It's not really on my goal list this year. Um, we can pray that prayer. God, would you help me to know you the way I'm supposed to know you today? God, every one of us, God created and he knows exactly where you are. You're not where I am and I'm not where you are and you're not where the person next to you is, but God knows each one of us. In the book of Exodus chapter 33, Moses prayed this prayer, Exodus 33 verse 13. He said, if it is true that you look favor upon me, favorable upon me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. What did Moses pray? He said, Lord, I don't, just don't want to know about you, but I want to know you. I don't want to just know the things you do because, you know, I could actually track you, you know, by just asking what other people saw about you or what they know about you and interview some people kind of like a news reporter and I could understand or I could get, you know, God for dummies and, and I could read, you know, the book and understand about you. But God, I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to have a personal relationship with you. I want to know about you. And In the book of Psalms, chapter 103, um, Psalm 103, in fact, where it starts, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. But down in verse uh, 7, he says this, that God made his ways, he, God made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. God made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to children of, to the children of Israel. So you might say, as we're starting this series, uh, how to really know God. What is it? What do you mean really know God? Shouldn't you just say how to know God? No, no, no. There's different levels that you know somebody. He says here that God showed his acts to some people, but he showed his ways to Moses. One of the reasons is Moses asked, God, show me your ways. I want to know your ways. We can learn about a person by looking at uh, them from a distance. In fact, uh, oftentimes people ask me every week, do you know this person and do you know that person and do you know, and you have to rack your brain. I don't know if I know them. Their name sounds familiar, you know, or they might say, do you know such and such? And I think I know, uh, I, yeah, I know them. And they say, oh, really? When's the last time you talked to them? No, no, no. I've never talked to them. I thought you were saying, do you know of them? Because that's the way a lot of times that we think about people. It's not just knowing them, but uh, it's, it's, 
it's uh, it's knowing of them or knowing them personally. Like I've well, I've met them, but then there's other ones like like I know my wife. We've been married for 19 and a half years. Well, I know her differently than I the person that I met this morning. Hey, you know, nice to meet you. Nice to know you. But when we're talking about knowing God, that's why we said how to really know God. How to know not just about God, like you'd read out of a book, but how to know him personally. And you may say, well, I, I, you know, I met the Lord 20 years ago. I, I know the Lord. No, I don't mean even that. Not when you met him, but do you know him? In fact, in the book of Revelation, when Jesus wrote to the, the seven churches, one of the churches, he said, you've lost your first love. There's something about knowing him that you've lost, you know? So it's not just, I know about him or I used to know him, but I know him. So really knowing God is not just saying some prayer, but it's walking in daily relationship with the Lord. I try to wake up every morning and spend an hour in prayer with the Lord. That's just me. I like to spend an hour in prayer with the Lord. And I remember when I first started doing this a couple of years ago, and I, you know, I've done it for years, but I was doing it more consistently uh, as of a couple of years ago. I'd get up and I have to get up at five o'clock in the morning because the, you know, the family starts waking up at six. So I have to get up an hour early. Okay. So I'll get up and I, and I would just spend time with God. I would just walk around and say, good morning, Lord. I love you. Sing like this. I wouldn't play the piano to wake up the house or anything, but I would just say, Lord, I need you, Lord, I need you. And I would just sing to the Lord. And, and it was just a simple, beautiful fellowship time, getting to know God's heart, you know, pouring out my heart and just listening to him. And then after a while, you know, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I need to pray the Lord's prayer. That'll take an hour. And I'm going to go in and say, oh, our father, that's going to be 10 minutes. And then, you know, um, give us this day, our daily bread and, you know, and your kingdom come and your will be done. And I'd go through and then I'd say, you know what I need to do? I need to do a tabernacle prayer, you know, which is kind of like, you know, the outer courts and then the inner courts and then this and that. And then I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start writing down everybody they say I'm going to pray for. And before you know it, and then I, I would start telling people, here's what I do. I get up and I have all my questions and I write out all my questions and I just pray over each one until I get it. It got to the place to where in the morning time I would wake up and I was tired, not just because I didn't sleep, but because of the prayer. And I remember I was in the middle of prayer and God just spoke ever so gently to my heart and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I just said, Laura, I'm trying to please you. Lord, so what if I told you I was already pleased? What if I told you I was already pleased you didn't have to work for it? Would it change your prayer life? So well, what do you want me to do? Just stand here and, and, you know, or sit here and spend time with you? Exactly. I need you to spend time with me. Simple fellowship, but no agenda. See, we, uh, we here at church have a Bible reading plan that we read about three or four, maybe four chapters a day, okay? We read about four chapters a day, and it gets through the Old Testament and then the New Testament twice in a day. And I remember, you know, trying to get through that reading plan, and, and, and anybody do any kind of reading plan in here? Yeah, you've done, okay, good. But, but you get into that reading plan, and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to get up, I'm going to get in the reading plan, you open your Bible, you have a cup of coffee or whatever it is, and you start reading, and then you get through it, and you're like, okay, I'm done, check, okay, now let's get it and you really realize, did you really connect with the Lord? Or did you read about all the laws of the scabs in the book of Leviticus? And you're wondering, what was that all about today, you know? But did you really connect with Jesus? Did you connect with the Lord? Did you really know the Lord? What I'm talking about today is just simple fellowship. Simple fellowship. Uh, I'm going to give you three points. And point number one is this. Have a compatible heart. You have to have a compatible heart. Sometimes we use the word compatible like in electronics or something, you know, to where they'd say, um, 
you know, there's Apple computers and there's, uh, I, uh, uh, um, what's the other kind? PC. Oh, sorry. I couldn't remember. I'm, te- I'm teasing. No, no. But there's Apple computers and then there's PC computers. And so, but sometimes if you have software for a PC computer, then you, they don't work on Apple computers. And if they have software for Apple computers, you know, so, so you don't just go buy software. You have to know what's the hardware. The, the first way to really get to know God is you have to have a compatible heart. And the compatible heart you have to have comes from John chapter 3, and I'm going to read it to you. The Bible says, John 3, 1, that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because <laughs> no one can do these signs uh, that you do unless God is with him. Can I tell you, when you spend time with God, people might not know who it is or what it is about you, but they'll know something's different about your life. And he said, we know that uh, something's different about you. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't understand the things about God unless you've been born again. I know that sometimes if, if you've, you've uh, maybe been around and you haven't been in a circle of born again, you kind of think, born again? That's the weird people. <laughs> That's the people that are a little bit off, right? No, listen, born again is a scriptural. We're, we don't want to teach things that are not in the Bible. Amen? That are not in the scripture. I'm not pulling out some other, uh, some other book. I'm teaching what, not only in the Bible, but what Jesus Christ himself said. He said, you must be born again. And then he says in verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, well, how, how can I be born when I'm old? Do I enter a second time into my mother's womb? Uh, Jesus answered and said, um, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is, and here is, he explains it, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. And then he explains what water and the spirit. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Born of the water is your natural birth. Every person in here was born of the water. You were born naturally on this earth. But he says, but that which is born is spirit, or of the spirit is spirit. If you're not born spiritually again, then you are not compatible to catch the things of God. Because when God speaks, as I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, he doesn't speak to your mind. He doesn't speak to your body. He speaks to your spirit. But if your spirit doesn't have the hardware, so to speak, to catch what God's saying, it won't be compatible. That's why people say, you say you hear from God? And I say, you say you don't? Because when you have the right hardware, when your spirit is born again, God will speak to you. He'll speak to you through, primarily through his word. He speaks to you through the written word. And he's never going to say anything that's different than this word. God's not going to say, I, I have something brand new. No, no, no. He does has nothing. It's, it's, it, it has to be in alignment with the written word of God. Can somebody say amen? But Jesus said you must be born again. You have to be not only physically born, but spiritually born. When we were born, uh, when our spirits were reborn, it, uh, we're a complicated being. We are a spirit. We have a soul which we process things through, and we live in a body. So when we were born again, was our bodies born again? No. Our bodies, if, if, if you were, you know, if you were, 
six feet tall and you were born again, you would look in the mirror and you're still six feet tall. If you had brown hair and you looked in the mirror, you still have brown hair. If you had no hair, right, you look in the mirror and you still had no hair. If you were ugly, you look in the mirror and you go, do I look better? Your spirit does, okay? But nobody's ugly. Jesus makes everybody good, right? Okay, so, so your, your body's not reborn. Also, your mind hasn't been reborn. How many would say that after they made Jesus the Lord of their lives, if you still had thoughts and you go, why were these thoughts still that way? Because my, my spirit's reborn, but my mind is, hasn't been transformed. And let me show you the scripture. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, it says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, listen, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In verse 2, it says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We, we are a spirit, and our spirit's been reborn. But we still have to present our bodies and do something with our bodies, and we still have to renew our minds to the word of God because our minds haven't been reborn. They're being transformed. Being transformed how? You have to transform them. You have to have the word of God on a regular basis going into your mind to wash your mind of thoughts that aren't of God. And you might say, well, if I'm a Christian, why am I still dealing with these kinds of thoughts of doubt, of unbelief, maybe of lust, of sin, of greed, of pride, of wicked thoughts? Does that mean I'm not born again? No, your spirit's born again, but your mind needs to be renewed to the word of God. And that's why according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, you present your bodies and you renew your mind, but know that where God speaks and where you really get to know God is not through your mind and not through your body. It's through your spirit. Our spirit is the part of us that communicates with God. Let me show you that in two scriptures. One is in John chapter four, when Jesus, uh, out with the woman, the woman at the well, and Jesus was out with her and she, and he said, she said, is God uh, up on this mountain or in Jerusalem? And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth for God is spirit. So those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Worship, like we just did, we just sang to God and, and loved on God, that's communication to God. What he's saying is the way that we communicate to God is with our spirits. Our hearts, spirit to spirit, we communicate our hearts to him. And when we worship, we don't just worship with our bodies. Like I know I said, you know, let's open our hands. Well, the, the hands don't do anything for worship. It's the heart. The, the outside's just a representation of the inside. But if the inside's not right, the outside doesn't look right either, right? I mean, so what we want to do is we want to say, God, I worship you with my heart. I communicate with my heart. But not only do we communicate spirit to spirit, our spirits have been born of his spirit, but that's the way he communicates to us. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter four, that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit. And what he's saying is the word of God, when you read God's word and you open up God's word, it becomes life to you and light to your spirit and you, and something on the inside comes alive. What, what is it? It's God communicating with you through his word. And through prayer. So we need to have a compatible heart. And the way to do that is to open up uh, our hearts to the Lord. And, uh, and receive Jesus as the Lord of, of your life. The second thing that we need to do is have an empty heart. An empty heart. What do you mean by an empty heart? 
Well, if you had a, a garage and at your house and you opened up the garage and I said, hey, um, I'm going to bring over some things and they're really, you know, important things and I'm going to put them in your garage. But when I opened up the garage, your garage was packed. There's no room for them. Well, what do you think I do? Well, I wouldn't put them in the garage because they're packed. Do you know that a lot of times we're trying to say, God, would you come and fill me? Would you come and flood my heart? Would you speak to me? Would you show me yourself? Would you show me your goodness? But our hearts are packed with all kinds of other things. Paul prayed in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and by the way, in, in your information guide, we have a place for notes there. At least write down what the scripture reference is and the main points, okay? Because then when this comes up later on, you may not need it right now. You may think, well, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah, but on Tuesday when you're dealing with something and you're saying, what did he say again? This is where you can go back to it and you can refer to it. Um, Paul uh, said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, Paul, remember, wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, and he said this, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, what is he saying? He's saying, I have a lot of things to brag about. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. <laughs> He's saying, you think you have something to brag about? I got something to brag about. And then he goes on and he tells about his pedigree. He tells about all of his accomplishments, all of his accolades, all of the good things. And he was well aware of them because he just lists them off. But then down in verse 7, Paul says this. I've accomplished all kind of things and I have all kind of things. He says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. I want you to underline that word or highlight that word, counted loss for Christ. He's saying all the good things that I've accomplished, you know, maybe someone would say, I have a doctor's degree, I have a title, I'm a CEO, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very wealthy, I have a retirement fund, I have all those kinds of things. But what did he come and say? He said, all these things I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed also count all things loss. He said it again. He's saying, I've, I've had to lose all these accomplishments. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all these things. That's three times. Paul's saying, man, I have a lot that I have to lay down. He said, and count them as rubbish. That word rubbish is, is refuse. It, it refuse, it's, a, oh, it's excrement. It could be, it, 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 it's nasty, okay? He's saying, I had to count all the accomplishments in my life as refuse, as, as, uh, as excrement, that I may gain Christ. I had to empty myself. I had to look at myself and say, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I don't care how much money I have, titles I have, positions I have, respect I have. I have to empty myself of all those things so that I can gain Christ. And he goes on and he says here, that I, may, uh, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God through faith. And these five words on verse 10, listen, that I may know him. Can you say those words with me? That I may know him. Say it again. That I may know him. What is he saying? He's saying, the only way I know, the, the way to get Christ to come into my life and, and, and the way that I get to know him is I have to empty myself of knowing me. See, because I can tell you all about me, right? Somebody, in fact, says, you don't know me, right? You don't know me. 
Don't, don't be talking about me. You don't have to be talking about, you don't know me. You don't know my stuff. You don't know what. See, because we know ourselves. But what did Paul say? I have to not know me in order to know Christ. I have to empty my garage. I have to empty myself. I'm telling you, there are some people who rejoice in their baggage. They identify. I talked about it last week. They identify with all the the mess and the stuff and the trouble because if I don't have the baggage, then I'm not a victim. And if I'm not a victim, then I don't really have identity in what I, what I have. But can I tell you, you've got to get rid. If if all your if the stuff in your garage is a mess, get rid of it. But can I also say, if the stuff in your garage is excellent and perfect and great, you got to get rid of it in your own heart. We have to empty ourselves and our empty our hearts in order to gain Christ. So number one is, again, we have to have a compatible heart. Number two, we have to have an empty heart. If Paul the Apostle had to do it, we have to do it. If the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus emptied himself and then he gained the, the, uh, the name of Jesus, which is above every name, then we, sh- we would have to as well. And then point number three is this, a willing heart. A willing heart. God doesn't force himself on anybody. I said, let me say it again. God doesn't force himself on anybody. I think sometimes we're of the opinion that if God wants to get through to me, he will. That's not true. If Jesus forced himself on people, don't you think he'd force himself on the whole world? But can I tell you, as believers that are sitting here in this room today, God won't force himself on you. It takes a willing heart. It takes an open heart. Uh, one of the best examples I know of this is in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And you know it's the story of Mary and Martha. And someone goes, I already heard that story, so I'm going to check out right now. No, listen. Listen. The, uh, th- this is a story that I believe the Lord's going to minister to us right now. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, Jesus. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Martha welcomed him. Who welcomed Jesus in? Martha, see, we always say that it was Mary. Mar- Mary was the one who really loved Jesus. No, Mar- it was Martha's house, and Martha welcomed him in the house, right? And so what happened? Um, uh, D- Jesus was Martha's guest, Can I tell you, it's not just about inviting Jesus into your house. If it was, Martha would have done the right thing. Sometimes we invite Jesus in, and then we're preoccupied with other things. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet. I I, I notice it says, also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. It means Mary wasn't the only one sitting at the feet of Jesus. It was Martha, too was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But what happened? Verse 40, Martha became distracted with much serving. I want you to notice what she was distracted with. Not the dude who just walked in, and she's like, that dude looks good. She was distracted with, or check, man, check out that gold watch, right? Or look at that hairdo, or look at that outfit. No, she wasn't distracted by something sinful. She was distracted by ministry. She was distracted by doing something for Jesus, not doing something for herself, doing something for Jesus. Uh, And she, Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell the girl to help me. 
I'm trying, Jesus, I'm trying to serve you lunch. And she's sitting here on her behind listening to you, and I'm trying to get you a sandwich. Could you just tell her to help me, Lord? Uh, have you ever felt that way when you're hosting someone before and someone comes in and they're sitting down and you're like, are you serious? Come on, hosting people, do you, you know what I mean? Are you serious? You're like sitting down right now? See, then the way you feel is kind of the way that Martha felt. Like, Jesus, I'm trying to serve son of God here, okay? And she's not even helping me. Could you tell her to help me? Martha got distracted with doing stuff for Jesus. Not realizing that she really needs him to do something for her. See, a lot of people's relationship with the church and with the Lord is about what I can do for God. But I think that when God looks at us, his thought is what I can do for you. I think even when we walk into church, you say, hey, uh, I need you to do this and I need you to do this. Some people I can tell who've served in the church for years, they walk right up and they go, just want to let you know I'm available. And you know, I, by the way, we need people who are available. We, we would really appreciate that. But when people walk in and they're like, I can do something for you, God. I can do something. But you, here's what I want to look at them sometimes and tell them, brother, sister, can I tell you what I want? I want God to do something for you. We're here for you. Jesus is here for you. This morning, let me tell you, Jesus is here for you. Jesus loves every person in this room. Verse 41, Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha. I believe the Lord's saying that to people in here today. <laughs> Maybe your name's not Martha. It's probably not, okay? But he's saying that to you. John, John. Bill, Bill. Sheila, Sheila. You are worried and troubled about so many things. I believe the Lord's saying that to someone here today. You're worried and troubled about so many things. And you're trying to get me. You're trying to please me. You're trying to do something for me. But listen, your name. Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I want you to notice, many things distract you, but there's one thing that's needed. Can I tell you, in trying to live for the Lord and trying to even know God, there's so many things that can distract you, but if you boiled it down to something simple, we need to do what Mary does. The Bible says here, Jesus said here, Mary chose the good part and it wouldn't be taken away from her. Spending time with God is a choice. If you say, I don't have time to do it, no, you, then, then what we would say is, uh, you know, if I say, I don't have time to do it, what I'm saying is, I don't choose to make time for God. It's a choice. It's a choice. He said, Mary has chosen this good part, and you know what? This good part will not be taken away from her. You know what that means? He means, I'm not going to have Mary stand up and serve right now. Martha, you serve. Mary, you receive. And I believe the Lord's saying, I'm not talking about just in the church context. I'm talking about in your personal relationship with Jesus. When you're at home and no one sees you and you pray. Can I tell you today, I believe from the Lord, quit trying to please God. And, start, and just know that, you're that God is pleased with you. He loves you, and he wants to serve you. He wants to love you. He wants to speak his heart to you and speak his words to you. But it takes us opening our heart and having simple 
fellowship with him. Not having prayer times that are all rushed, but being able to just sit there in the presence of the Lord. You can't rush fellowship. There's a scripture I love in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to close with this, verse 11. It says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ Jesus. Simplicity that's in Christ Jesus. Serving the Lord should be a simple process. And uh, let me tell you this. You can't rush knowing God. You can't rush knowing God. Like I said, we've been married for almost 20 years. I can't put 20 years into a week. And you can't put your whole relationship with God into the matter of two or three devotionals. No, you, it's a lifelong of coming and sitting and knowing God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Be in the presence of the Lord. What do, you, what do I say? Tell him what's on your heart. God, I'm hurting right now. God, I'm going through something right now. God, I don't even know how to process things right now. God, I don't trust anybody. God, I don't have any friends. God, I need you right now. And I open my heart to you. And I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll speak to you. He'll love you. He'll care for you. Just like Mary, he'll protect that time. He'll validate that time. This week, I'm going to give this closing illustration. This week, my, my daughter, I have a four-year-old. I have three sons, and they're all like, strong and cool and nice guys and stuff. Then I have this three-year-old daughter that just melts my heart. Four-year-old that just melts my heart. And this week I was busy doing some work and, you know, I'm, I'm behind on some things and I'm trying to catch up and my mind was just like, in fact, I, I have an office at home and I closed the door of the office, not hard, but I just closed the door of the office and I was sitting there at my desk and I was working on some things and I was really focusing and all of a sudden I hear the door open and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm trying to focus on something. And it's my little four-year-old daughter, and she walks in, and she goes, Daddy? <laughs> and my mind was, my mind didn't melt. My mind was, I'm thinking right now, and it's hard for me to get back to this. <laughs> she goes, Daddy, can you go play dolls with me? It's in the afternoon. I've been working all day. Dad, can you play dolls with me? <laughs> And I had to stop for a moment and think, what am I going to do? I'm working for God. I didn't turn around. I'm working for God. Out. Play with you later. I'm working for God. Daddy, can you play dolls with me? It was like a movie. It was like a whole thing's flashed before my eyes. Like I'm going to look back one day at that particular moment and think, I wish I'd have got that, that question back. So I got get up and walk into her room. Sure, she, Dad, let me show you. You know, I know where her room is, but she drags me. Let me show you, Dad. Let me show you. And she pulls out these, you know, th th she has like seven dolls. You know, I don't know. She has all these, Daddy, this is such and such, and this is this. And But in my mind, I'm like in a movie because I'm like, are you kidding me? I sit down on the floor, crisscross applesauce, whatever, you know, big guy sitting here with his daughter playing dolls with her for a minute. Can I tell you though, sometimes we think that God, we're just trying to catch his heart. Can I tell you, he wants to catch our heart. He wants to know what you're into and what you love. God loves you 
as much as he wants you to love him. God loves your stuff. God loves what you're into. God cares about your life. If you're hurting, God cares about it. If you're lonely, God cares about it. And I think sometimes we just think that God's this big mean God that's trying to get us in line. But can I tell you, just like this big dude father can be dragged along by this little four-year-old, she has my heart. God has your heart. But sometimes he just wants you to stop and spend time with him. I'm not preaching to you this morning. You know who I'm speaking to? I'm speaking to me this morning. Because every single one of us get to this point. We go through these ebbs and flows in our lives where everything's good and then we get so busy. Things drag us back in. Not always, like Martha, not always bad things, but just things, just stuff. Drags us away from sitting at the feet of Jesus and just being ministered to at the feet of Jesus. Would you bow your heads right where you are today? Jesus, minister to every person in here. Love on everybody in here today. Show your goodness. Show your strength. Show your love. Show your care. Lord, for those who are broken today, put your loving arms around them unlike any human beings can do and show that you love us and that you care about us. More than anything, I pray that everybody who walks into this room today would have simple fellowship with you. In the name of Jesus. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.